one of the things that sold me on chakra was when I looked and uh, I saw that buttons actually look like buttons. <laughs> That's so rare these days. I feel like a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> these days you can't tell what a component is half the time. I know that I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> that's a huge deal for me. Being with your changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by Rollbar. Move fast and fix things. Resolve errors in minutes and deploy with confidence. Head to Rollbar.com slash Changelog. Request a demo. Get started today. It's loved by developers, trusted by enterprises, and most of all, we use it here at Changelog. Move fast and fix things with Rollbar. Once again, rollbar.com slash changelog. Welcome to JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. We record live each and every Thursday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern. Join in on the hijinks in the JS Party channel of our community Slack. Head to changelog.com slash community to learn more. It's completely free and we'd love to have you. Okay, party time, y'all. Take it away, Emma. Welcome to JS Party. I'm Emma, and I am joined by the wonderful Shagun, who is the creator of Chakra UI, as well as one of our JS Party panelists, Faraz. How are y'all doing today? I'm doing good. I'm really cool. Excited to be here as well. I'm excited to talk about Chakra UI and to share my story in any way, hopefully to help someone out there. Nice. Let's do it. Let's do it. Faraz, you want to kick things off? Yeah. So I just wanted to start by... Saying so, I first learned of Chakra UI just a week or two ago, and um, I was trying to start a project during this lockdown period that we're all in right now and get into a habit of uh, releasing things quickly. You know, I just finished my master's degree in school, and so I'm sort of getting some more time to program now and spend you know time not just doing homework. And so I was looking around for a UI library to use and uh, trying out a whole bunch of new technologies that I'm not that familiar with. So like React hooks, I was learning how those work. I'm, I'm using Next.js uh, for the first time. And and then I, I came across uh, Chakra UI and I just found it such a breath of fresh air compared to all the other React UI libraries that I've seen. I especially loved how you have so many multiple examples for each component showing how they work and how to use them. And I was struck by just the consistency of how clear, you know, sort of it was very predictable to figure out how each of the components worked after you sort of got used to a few of them uh, because the prop naming was so nice and the design just, I don't know, just very impressive work all around. And also the, the focus on accessibility, I thought, was just really amazing. The focus states are so consistent and just a lot of things that you don't see necessarily as as well done in, in the other um, the other stuff that's out there. So, And then when I looked at the fact that it was less than a year old, I was just like amazed. So I just wanted to talk to you so badly after that. So anyway, great work. And I'm glad we were able to get you on the show. Thank you. 
Yeah, I think my first experience with Chakra UI was at work because we are building a design system currently for LogMeIn. We've got a lot of products like go to meeting, go to webinar, uh, go to connect, and they all needed this brand identity, which is why we're building a design system. And we had a lot of problems with accessibility. To Veras's point, it's very difficult to create custom components and make them fully accessible because a lot of native HTML elements, you can't use the semantic markup. So if you want a custom dropdown, you can't just use the select dropdown. If you want a custom style, you actually have to use like unordered lists and list items and use way aria. But a lot of developers don't understand accessibility fully. So we started using Chakra UI and it has been like the hot topic at work. Our developers are in love with it. They were so excited about the TypeScript integration, which we'll hear more about in a little <laughs> bit. But I would love to hear the Chakra UI origin story. How did you start it? How'd you get the idea? Why don't you tell us a little bit more? Okay, amazing. I mean, I'm really excited to hear, I mean, get feedback. I mean, this is live feedback right now. <laughs> so I'm definitely excited to hear from you guys. I'm really happy, like, you are using it, you've tried to use it, and it works really well for you. Uh, it's amazing. Okay, so uh, how Chakra UI started? To be honest, I didn't have it in mind to, to even create any open source project. And maybe I'll just confess on a live show right now. I mean, it's probably like, um, maybe it's been like about one year and six to seven months or so since I really started coding full time. Like, I used to be a full-time designer, UI designer before. I mean, and that's been for about six years or so. So that's quite a lot of experience from a design standpoint. And I just really started writing code, or writing front-end code specifically, about a year and six months ago. Right. So most of all these concepts, I literally just took a lot of time to learn them. And I literally stopped working for quite for a couple of months just to, like, fully dig into them and really understand the fundamentals. Right. So how it really started for me, it was I was trying during my while I was working as a UI designer, I used to freelance for a couple of clients around the world. And at some point, I, I really felt like I was literally just like a UI machine. So like someone wants to design some UI, they just come to you. Hey, can you help me make some mockup? And it kind of felt tiring to me and boring, to be honest. So I thought maybe I could just try something else. Like I design products for clients. I mean, what if I can try to make my own product instead of working for clients, right? I mean, if I could maybe take the pain to design a product for myself and create something people can pay for, I mean, that solves a, a good problem and people can pay for it. So I started building, I mean, the easiest idea that came to mind was a resume builder. Right. Um, so I thought and most of my colleagues always come to me for to help them design their resumes as well when they want to apply for jobs. So I thought, OK, this is a very interesting problem I'm used to. So let me just try to build like a simple product for it. So I designed the UI in Sketch and I just tried to figure out how it work, um, a good solution for people. They don't really know how to create a resume and they kind of struggle putting words together or even formatting their resume. So I thought maybe I could try to propose like a software solution to that. So I thought of a simple solution that could just like help them. So that, that was really like one of the origins. So at that time, I was a UI designer. So I got my friends together. So I'm like, um, hey, buddy, so I have this design in Sketch. Um, can you just help me write the code for it? I'm sure this is like the story, like the same story for, for almost all designers and front end engineers. So I gave my friend this design in Figma 
after sketch i mean he thought it was he thought sketch was quite like clunky so i literally took the sketch file and i dumped it in figma so at least now you can use figma i mean you can inspect the code in figma and it's a lot easier so i mean after a while i mean i noticed that it kind of struggles to like nail the fundamentals right things like the padding the font size line height i'm like I'm like, dude, come on, I sent you this sketch file. And then at the end of the day, like, this is what you are giving to me. It doesn't even look close to what I gave you. And I'm sure that's like a very common story. I mean, for most people, right? Especially when you pay a designer and a front-end engineer together, it's a very popular story. So I, I kind of got frustrated after a while. So just told my friend, okay, thank you so much for helping me. Like, I really appreciate the help, but you're not exactly helping me right now. <laughs> so let me just go find someone else that can help me. So I, I tried to hire a freelancer on Upwork to help me. So I, I just gave him the design again. This was my second trial. So I gave him design again. Hey, buddy, uh, how much is it going to cost to help me convert this to code? And then one week after, I sent it back to me, and it was, like, totally horrible. Like, even worse than, <laughs> even worse than my friend that helped me. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, I'm not a designer, but I feel like, I mean, the design industry has created lots of tools to make design, like, really easy, right? And back in the days when Photoshop was the reigning design tool, it was freaking hard, I mean, to create, like, consistent components in Photoshop, right? But now we have Sketch, we have um, Figma, uh, we have Frema, right? So I feel like there are lots of tools out there that could literally help us like do this work. That's how I also felt when I was working with my friends. So I thought, come on, I believe there should be tools out there that can help us do this. And they said, oh, uh, there's um, Bootstrap, there's some Material UI, but it's just a little hard to tweak their styles. And you have to write some CSS. I'm like, ah, oh, that doesn't sound fun to me. Right? Because like literally for every component I give you or every page, you have to write a ton of CSS. And like, I wasn't happy with that. So I just paid off the freelancer and I just thought like, I mean, you know what? I mean, I think I'm going to just try to learn this myself. And um, I believe that the fact that I'm coming from a design um, background would help me maybe structure this a little better. Right. So, I mean, I think one of the things I can say off the bat is uh, I think my experience as a designer sort of really helped me and is still helping me today, even when I write code. So I kind of feel like having some design knowledge actually helps strengthen some my, like my code, most of the code I write on Chakra UI in general. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you found a common problem. It's a problem that I struggle with every day of my life because if you, first of all, I love Sketch and I would admit maybe it's a little clunkier than like Figma. Figma is also great, but oftentimes as developers, we receive high fidelity mockups from our designers and we don't know how to, like, unless it's redlined out, like, okay, it's 16 pixels of margin or padding, like, unless it's redlined designs, like, we I always struggled to translate that into code. And then our designers would come to me and be like, what the heck did you do? You've murdered our design. I'm like, yeah, well, and I do think this is definitely a need in the industry is having these kind of hybrids. You, to me, seem more of a UX engineer um, like myself, where, you know, we're very invested in visual and UX design and we bring those skills into engineering. I don't know, Frost, what's your take on the whole like hybrid so I'm not like a trained designer. I've never taken a design class, but I've always sort of worked directly in CSS whenever I'm designing stuff. So I, I can't relate as much to the the backstory, but I do understand this like dichotomy between the designer and the developer and the, and the design sort of getting messed up in, the, in that process. 
Yeah. I just want to say that I dug a little bit into your code while looking at, you know, the project because I always look at my dependencies before I use them. And I could not tell that you have only been programming for a year and a half, like you said. I mean, it's really amazing code. It's good, uh, really good work. Awesome. Thank you. Sorry if I'm gushing a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally fine. I did not know that you, uh, you know, you had just been coding for that short of a, a period of time. So it doesn't show at all. Yeah. There's one thing I can say, though. When I see how long I've been coding, most of the time it sounds like um, maybe it's just a short time, but there's just one principle I think I've learned that actually helped me, which is mostly like about deep work. I mean, I think I read the book and it kind of really helped me before I even started writing any code. Right. And the concepts that I learned from that book was mostly that um, someone who takes about six months consistently doing a certain thing only, I mean, literally that's all you do for six months, can somewhat do something, uh, can produce almost the same output as someone who has been in the industry for years. Right. That's mostly because he has the recent knowledge and it really takes a lot of time to learn the fundamentals and doesn't do any other thing distracting. So it just literally focuses and like delves in on just a few topics and not trying to learn like so many things, right? Because I know when you're trying to do a project and like there are so many things involved in just getting the project, the web pack, the barbell, the next JS and routing and state management. But if you just literally just focus on just like a small piece, which is literally the components, trying to get the design, trying to get the accessibility right, trying to get the HTML markup structure right, and just focusing only on those for a couple of months and, like, years. I mean, now it's probably been, like, a year and a half that I've been working only on that. And that has really shown in the output of work that I create. And I think that's, that would really help. That's so inspirational to hear your path and how you were so quick, like, you're someone I immensely respect in this industry. And I look up to because you're so incredibly intelligent, not only in your coding journey, but in your ability to market and create open source projects that are widely used in massive enterprise industries. That's incredible. And one thing that Shocker UI solves that other design systems and UI libraries did not for us is the fact that it isn't very opinionated about styling. And you had mentioned, um, you know, CSS and material design from Google and other design systems. And one of the issues with them is while they're very accessible, they have a lot of components, they have a very strong brand identity. So you can look at a material UI component or an IBM Carbon component and say, oh, I, that belongs to IBM or oh, that belongs to Google. With Shocker mm -hmm. UI, it's so nice. You don't have to sit there and override all these styles, which is great because typically CSS is hard for people to learn. It took me several years of doing it all the time to feel comfortable with it. But a lot of developers don't understand CSS specificity rules. And so with these UI frameworks, you're seeing a lot of importance all over the place, especially if they're <laughs> using Bootstrap, right? Because Bootstrap, mm -hmm. you know, you actually have to override their styling with important and it's just an absolute horror. So I love the fact that Chakra UI solves that issue. Yeah, uh, that's, that's just one thing I would like to add to that, right? I mean, the core ideas and concepts from Chakra UI, I mean, didn't solely just come from me. I would not say the origin of all the ideas came from me. It's mostly just a remix of already existing ideas in the industry. Right, so I mean, I'll definitely like give a shout out to Style System by Ben Jackson. I mean, that's really one of the core foundations of Chakra UI. Uh, if Style System did not exist, I mean, I think you'd be freaking hard for me to pull off <laughs> Chakra UI. Yeah, I have one question for you before we kind of 
take a break. And that is, is Chakra UI specifically for React or is it kind of like framework agnostic? Does it work with other JavaScript frameworks and libraries? Yeah, um, that's something we are looking at. But right for the moment, it's just for React. But I know of a team already working on the Vue version. Right, so we are trying to create a common ground between React and Vue, which is just like framework agnostic parts of Chakra UI, and then trying to, I mean, put those framework agnostic parts to Vue and React. Right, at the end of the day, we, I mean, we hope to maybe abstract most of all the logic to, for example, to state machines, so that it's really easy to create a framework agnostic library. And I mean, Chakra UI can still stay relevant for a couple of years at least. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that intro. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about building a component library. Big news, nerds. Gatsby's highly anticipated incremental builds are here. If you're already deploying with Gatsby Cloud, you've been enjoying builds up to 20 times faster than other solutions. With incremental builds, that number moves two orders of magnitude. We're not talking 50 times faster. We're not talking 100 times faster, not even 500 times faster. After years of invested engineering and months of testing, the Gatsby team has been able to perform builds, are you ready for it? Up to 1,000 times faster. That is an average build time of less than 10 seconds. This is the feature we've all been waiting for and there's never been a better time to try Gatsby Cloud. The best part is it's 100% free to get started, so you can put away your credit card. You're not going to need it. Go to gatsbyjs.com slash changelog to get started. Once again, that's gatsbyjs.com slash changelog. So in the first part of the podcast, we talked a little bit about Chakra UI, kind of the journey of how it got created, as well as some of the problems in the industry that's been solving. But I want to shift gears and talk more about what it takes to build a component library. So let's start off with a question of kind of what makes a good component library? What are some of the aspects? We touched on accessibility, but are there other areas, Shagun, that you keep in mind when you're developing Chakra UI? One of the biggest for me is really about the developer experience. Right, so uh, maybe not exactly developer experience. I, I call it more of like the design to development experience. Uh, that's what I would like to think about it as. Right, so most of the time when a developer gets a design from a designer, the goal for any component library should be how can I literally help this developer literally convert the UI design without stress. Right, because right now there's a whole lot of stress and friction involved in literally just translating the design to development. And that's because it's a whole lot of work, actually. And I kind of understand from a development perspective, uh, it's really easy for a designer to literally draw some rectangles, add some, add some circle and create a custom drop down in Sketch because they just have to draw some rectangles and put some text. But when a developer sees that, he knows that that's nightmare because trying to create a custom select, I mean, it's not a small job. And <laughs> even if you try to use a popular library, for example, React Select, it still has to take some work. You have to read the documentation. You have to know how styling works in React Select uh, to get it to work. So just thinking about the developer experience is one of the huge parts for me, which I think is what I'm trying to infuse into Chakra UI. We try to nail the fundamentals. Uh, what I mean by fundamentals is being able to abstract design tokens from design files, right? So being able to abstract tokens like colors, fonts. One thing I've been looking into recently is mostly like designers have this concept called textiles, 
right, and layer styles when they create their design. I mean, this helps them literally not repeat themselves when working. So figuring out how Chakra UI can actually help in that process as well. So that like all these tokens that designers are used to, literally just bringing it into the code, I mean, it would also save the developers some time, right? So, um, so tokens are one, um, nailing the fundamental, like accessible HTML structure, uh, because most of the time I feel like accessibility, at least 60% of accessibility has to do with having the correct HTML structure for a component and having the correct area attributes uh, for custom widgets, right? just having all those things in place kind of. And then the final part to be like, I mean, dealing with the design, right? Making things look good and also making sure it's accessible from a color contrast perspective, uh, font size, readability perspective, and then, I mean, after that then comes like keyboard navigation, uh, making sure that the screen readers announce the components the way you want them to, and making sure like just testing a component across different touch points as well, across different browsers. I mean, I know browser compatibility is like is a big issue when it comes to building component libraries. Right? So there are all these different factors, and it's like it's a whole lot to be honest. Um, but like um, just taking them one, I mean one at a time. Uh, will really help you like build like a solid component library, I think. One of the things that sold me on Chakra was when I looked and uh, I saw that buttons actually look like buttons. <laughs> That's so rare these days. I feel like a lot of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> these days you can't tell what a component is half the time. I know that I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, that's a huge deal for me. I think that's the title of our show now. These buttons <laughs> look like buttons. That's a great title. No, I would tend to agree. I think nowadays companies and design systems, they're trying to differentiate themselves from what's already on the market. And I feel like we're seeing a lot of radical design changes, which can be good, um, but they can also be not so good. So Shigun, you seem really, really interested and knowledgeable about accessibility. And it's also really refreshing to hear as well. I want to ask you in a second how you learned so much about it, but for those listening, and this could be a whole episode in and of itself is web accessibility. You know, Shigun mentioned color contrast ratios. Also, our type scale has to be big enough. Even, you know, it's not just about our blind and visually impaired users. It's also about people with motor disabilities. So, um, you know, keyboard navigation is important if someone can't use a mouse. Also, maybe cognitive disabilities. So making sure that we are showing when you're checking out, for example, if I want to go buy a flight. I want to see all the details of my flight before I purchase. So at every step of this checkout phase, I need to see the flight dates, the airports, all of these kinds of things, because you can't expect your users to cognitively be able to remember these details. And I personally have bought flights for the wrong dates. It is not fun. So there's a lot that goes into accessibility that we just don't think about. And I think Chakra UI is solving a lot of those problems. So my question that I'm coming back around to is how did you learn so much about accessibility? Did you just read like the W3C doc? or was there uh, were there other resources? Yeah, um, before I answer the question, I mean, let, I'd just like to like chime in on the previous discussion about like having different button styles, right? Um, like, <laughs> sure. Because, because like I'm really interested in that. And like uh, recently I was having a conversation with a friend and I literally said like, like all buttons work the same way. Like the only difference between them is just the styles we apply to them. Right, so one of the things that really gets me, like, that really trips me off these days is literally when we rewrite code for a button, like, one million times. Like, every single company mm -hmm. writes code for the same button styles, and, like, they write the same structure of a button, and only to just change the background of the button, for example, 
or just to change the, the color of the text. Right? So I feel like one of the things Chakra UI is like going to solve or completely eliminate is the fact that like um, we want to take care of the internal details of like a button and then leave you to create any styles you want. Right, so it's really easy to create your own design system on top of Chakra UI in general. Have you heard the blog post called And You Thought Buttons Were Easy by Nathan Curtis? I'm not sure. I've, I've not. We'll link it in the show notes. And I've also just posted it in our JS Party Slack channel. The premise of this is the fact that buttons are the most widely used UI component throughout products. Mm-hmm. But they're also the most inconsistent across all products and so what he's saying is that um, he walks through this mathematical problem of let's say you have a designer an engineer and a quality assurance engineer and they're all designing testing and coding this button and it walks through like okay if you're paying every person i don't know like thirty dollars an hour or something you end up spending $20,000 to build, test, and design your buttons. And he walks through why. So we've got primary buttons, secondary buttons, tertiary buttons. We have large buttons, small buttons. We've got states for these buttons. So hover, focus, disabled, active. We have icon buttons, all these other kinds of buttons, success, error, warning. And when you add all of this up, it's $20,000 a button for each team. And when you've got five teams building a set of buttons, that's $100,000 that your company is spending on building buttons. So I just think it's a wonderful blog post. I reference it in all of my conference talks. I highly recommend reading it. And this is exactly the justification for why you need a design system or a UI library like Chakra. But yeah, it seems like button styles. People love to redesign the buttons, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. Back to the topic of accessibility. Right. Um, I think one of the things that helped me really was the fact that I think I took quite some time to read about like the correct HTML structure for any component before actually even writing any code. Right. So, I mean, I think there are a couple of websites that helped me. Allyproject.com, I think, um, is a very popular site as well. And even just checking the, I mean, the W3C accessibility standard and the guide you're able to see like literally the HTML structure for a component. And if you're interested in some JavaScript, they also have some JavaScript implementation as well. Right. So um, just digging into those code, I mean, helps me to see and understand why um, I think we need to reteach HTML the right way or even HTML and CSS the right way. Because if you have this HTML you want to make, for example, a tab, if you're designing a tabs component and you want to like show the active tab or the active or the current selected tab, uh, most people or the way we were thought was to like add a class name, just just had a class name called active and then style it with that class name. I mean, digging in further, then I realized that, okay, there's actually some attributes that could literally int assistive technologies that this tab is now active. Right. So like, okay, why can't we just use this attributes to style the elements instead? So that way we are tying both HTML and CSS to accessibility and we are sort of enforcing those standards, whether you're writing HTML markup or you're styling CSS. That was the first part for me, just learning those foundations, of HTML and CSS through those websites. I think two major courses that actually helped me as well is a course from React Training that's by Ryan Florence. I can't remember the course name specifically, but it has to do with building components, uncontrolled components. So that really helped me like learn a lot about managing state, the concepts of controlled components and uncontrolled components in React. Uh, another course that helped me is, um, okay, I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, it's Frontend Masters, Massey Sutton, 
front-end accessibility for web applications, something like that. I think that's the name. I literally watched the course, download the GitHub repo, like lesson by lesson, I'm writing the code, I'm pausing the video before she writes the code to, to see if I can figure it out on my own, and then try to learn with the solution she proposes, right? So that kind of also helped me, like, boost my knowledge a whole lot. It's literally the concept of before, uh, when someone is teaching, I think it's, this concept just has to do with learning in general. When I watch a video or when I'm trying to watch a course, what I try to do most of the time to challenge myself is when after the teacher or whoever is teaching a concept talks about it and wants to write some code, I just pause the video and I try to figure it out on my own before even watching what they have to say. Like just to like see if I can like dig in through the solution and challenge myself. And that actually helped me a whole lot. That's wonderful. I love that concept of being an active learner because so often, and I found myself doing this too, I'll just watch these tutorials. My mind will start wandering off and I don't challenge myself. And then by the end of the course, this happened with a Scott Talinsky course I took about React Spring. I watched the entire course, loved it. And then I finished it and realized I didn't retain any of this information because I wasn't challenging myself and I yeah. wasn't actively learning. So that's a very good point. So talking about accessibility and going back to the fundamentals of HTML and CSS, I loved what you said about we should really be focusing on semantic HTML and CSS, especially because, and I have mentioned this before on Twitter, I think, but when I was interviewing for jobs in my technical interviews, I got asked a lot about HTML, CSS and accessibility. So I was, you know, I was questioned about JavaScript, but I do think a lot of companies now are migrating towards comprehensive questions that really test. Do they know how to write CSS? Do they know CSS transitions? Do they know about specificity? And I definitely think this is something that developers, I personally, I took it for granted, especially when I started out and then I found myself at a deficit when I needed to create semantic scaffolding for a site and I realized I didn't know how to. I don't know, for us, when you were learning web development, did you learn it from HTML, CSS, JavaScript or how did you get into that? Yeah, I, I got started back before, you know, there was any like react or declarative sort of ui stuff that people were doing it was html and css and i still remember i had a book called i think css hacks and it was all about you know the different tricks to you know include syntax errors in your css so that certain versions of internet explorer would interpret the css you know but newer versions wouldn't interpret css and it was literally you know taking advantage of bugs in them in the parsers. And it was like really bad days for, for the web, <laughs> I feel like. Uh, that's when I got started. And then I do think learning the fundamentals is important. And, you know, I'm glad that I have that base. But at the same time, I think one of the things that's really great about ch Chakra UI and this type of higher level abstraction is that maybe most of the time when you're working, you don't want to be working at a level below. You know, you want to just use a component from Chakra and know that it's going to have the right tab behavior. Because I mean, this is the advantage in general of abstractions and software. It's like you can solve a difficult problem one time and encapsulate it into a usable component and just use it everywhere. And so that way, members of the team that are newer or haven't learned this stuff yet can just be productive right away, or even experienced people can not have to reimplement the same thing constantly. So while, uh, you know, it's great that I just feel like... Uh, we want people to know this stuff, uh, but if they don't, uh, you know, this is a, a good way to, to get the same benefit and to end up with good products, despite the, the fact that uh, we might not be perfect all the time and know all this stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, actually. And I was going to talk about that as well. I mean, to be honest, I, I mean, except if your job is, if your job role says you're a UX engineer or you're a UI engineer or you're a design system manager, that's when you really want to care about these details. One of the persistent realities that we have right now is that most of the projects we build are moving really fast, right? I mean, right now we are even like in times where companies need to move like super fast. I mean, they don't have time to, I mean, you're not going to stop an entire project from launching just because the drop down is not accessible. I mean, they can literally fire you. I mean, the next day just because of that, right? So like most of the things we do and the software we build, uh, most of our teams are fast moving. So like, um, trying to focus on all these like nitty gritties sometimes can be time consuming, and that's why like it's always like it's always a good idea to leverage off someone else's work, someone who has thought about all those fundamentals and accessibility details, uh, and the styling details of a component, and literally just like make your life easier in general. My tendency when I'm working on projects is typically if I if I look at a library or I look at a you know a. a a component, a package on NPM, and I notice, you know, even one or two minor things about it that I don't like, I tend to say, well, okay, this is clearly, you know, I could clearly do better than this. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll go in and reinvent it. Uh, because, you know, part of it is it's a good learning exercise. It's fun. You know, it's like I enjoy, you know, knowing how stuff works at a, at a lower level. So cool. But actually, I've found that fighting that tendency in the last few weeks while I've been working on an, on a new project, uh, I've been sort of just saying, you know what, like, if I see a library, and it's not perfect, it's, you know, it's 95%, it's 96%. I should probably just run with that instead of stopping everything to go and try to re-implement it. And that's been uh, just so freeing for me because, you know, while I might actually be able to improve it in one or two ways, you know, I, I identify a weakness about the library and, I, and I'm able to, to go and make a better uh, version that doesn't have that problem. I'm only one person. So actually embracing the fact that a community all working together on, on a project, you know, means that when I'm done working on it, you know, the community is still there improving it. So that's actually why I'm, I'm actually excited to be using Chakra on this project because I, I have confidence that it's going to improve over time and, uh, and it's doing a bunch of things I would have never thought to do. And it's just better, better than, uh, you know, than trying to, to, to reinvent everything. So it's, I mean, it's kind of re reusability 101. It's kind of obvious when you think about it, but I've, I've just found fighting the tendency to just be like, you know what, I'm going to redo this and then, you know, re-implementing everything. It just saves so much time. And, uh, and that's, that's really important. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that. And I think that wraps up the second segment. I think let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit more about the actual pros, cons, highlights, lowlights of building a component library. This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean's developer cloud makes it simple to launch in the cloud and scale up as you grow. They have an intuitive control panel, predictable pricing, team accounts, worldwide availability with a 99.99 uptime SLA and 24-7, 365 world-class support to back that up. DigitalOcean makes it easy to deploy, scale, store, secure, and monitor your cloud environments. Head to do.co slash changelog to get started with a $100 credit. Again, do.co slash changelog. little bit about the benefits and drawbacks of founding an open source project. Shagun, can you tell us a little bit more about some of the things that you 
think have gone really well and some of the things that maybe you weren't expecting about it? So, I mean, let's start with the, the things that I think went really well uh, for me. I mean, I think, uh, to be honest, I didn't expect Chakra UI to get the traction that it's getting right now. Like, I literally, uh, one of the things I did not mention was that um, Chakra UI, like the concept of Chakra UI started from the product I was working on and literally had a component library for that product itself. So after learning, I literally went to build the component library myself and then just gave it over back to my friend to help me put it together and just wire up the states and things like that. So like after doing that, I literally saw that before we started the project, when I was struggling, um, it literally took us like three months just to convert design to code. But then when after I built the component library and I gave it to him, I think it took us about three or four days to literally rebuild the entire thing again with the component library. I mean, I was really excited about that and I thought if this could literally help my friend and I could literally see him get excited, like his face is all lit up. And I feel like, I mean, if this is the experience of my friend, what if I could literally like take this same experience and just ship it out to other people? I mean, to just like use for free. To be honest, like I literally struggle with the concept of for free, like just like ship it like for other people to use. But I just thought like, it's more of like the way it works in general. Like if to get more uh, from life, I feel like you just have to give more. You don't expect to not give, and then you expect to get a lot. Like it's mostly love, just like a general law. I I think I've learned. So I thought maybe if I could literally like just give value to other people out there, and somehow I I know the value will definitely come back to me. So that's one of the pro of having an open source project because you get to touch so many people out there. And one one thing I know that is like really common is like um, there are lots of people, there are lots of developers out there who aren't like, who don't have like enough privilege as I've had or like anyone else I've had, where there are people who work in like companies that don't pay them so well. And yet like we know that this project takes some time to do, right? And I just felt like um, really what can I do to help those kind of people? Right, to be able to like ship your apps and like really do their work and feel comfortable about it. So that was like one of the benefits for me as well. So I get to impact people the way I want to uh, in general. Right, the other thing is you get to find bugs. I mean, not by yourself. Other people get to find bugs in your application and they help you build them and fix them. Right, so um, that's one of the pro. So even if you are building a project and you feel like um, there might be some use cases you never thought about or some things you never saw, uh, but if other people use it, they'll definitely find it faster than you will. Right, so um, getting other people to contribute, to help, to fix typos, like, I mean, that's a whole lot, to be honest. And, like, even to, like, help arrange your code, make it better, things like that generally helps, right? So it feels more like a community is building is building on top of your idea rather than only you, what, a one-man team, trying to make it all work and feel like you're the god of all. So that's one of the benefits. Uh, but there are some cons as well, right? So... One of the cons is literally the fact that when you have an open source project, if you don't tend to manage your time properly, um, it can literally consume you, like, can literally consume your time. Like, you have people opening issues every single day, like, hey, this button is not working, or it's not, I don't like the way it looks. Some issues can literally trip you off, because, like, I mean, I've done a lot of work on this library, and then you're coming here just to say this button doesn't look good. Like, come on, man, like, what the, what the heck? Right, but at the end of the day, I know that like <laughs> I just try to I just try to go back to the reason why I made it. Right, so sometimes just going back to the reason why helps you like just to like um, let off those emotions and just like re recenter myself. 
and just like know that like if this person is complaining it means they have a genuine reason why and maybe i can just be kind enough to really understand why um why they think it's an issue and i mean i might not even know what what the issue is so uh let's just be kind enough to like get all this feedback so it's kind of a con because there are people who don't exactly value the work you've done and that's a reality as well an open source project and there are people who would like approach you as though they hired you to do the to build the library right but uh, at the end of the day i think it's all about human interaction and i feel like i mean if you just treat like everyone as a normal human i know not everyone exactly is normal but like if you just like assume that everyone is a normal human and interact with them as such you won't have so much problems but if you try to react based on emotions then i feel like um, sometimes open source projects can lead you off like a wrong path of anger, annoyance, and self-defeat, and you just want to close the project and just go back to your normal life in general. I can totally sympathize with that. The idea <laughs> that open source can sometimes feel like, you know, the way GitHub issues is designed, it's sort of like your to-do list is publicly writable. Yeah. <laughs> You're just letting anyone who shows up add items to your list, and then you wake up and you just have to process through them, and it can become very bogged down in, the, in dealing with the issues and forgetting, you can forget about the bigger picture of, like, what are you trying to do here? Or what are the bigger goals you have for the project if you're just dealing with this sort of inbound issues every day? Totally, I sympathize with that a lot. There's one more thing I'd like to add as well. I mean, which is like very common with the industry. It's like you release an open source project. Uh, when even from the beginning of Chakra UI, um, I didn't have ideas of like TypeScript and I've been mean, having type support for like a library. I literally had to like go to definitely typed. And I was literally like reading all the type definitions for popular UI libraries uh, just to understand how it works. Because like, I mean, I TypeScript got my head spinning 100%, like, what the heck is this? Like, what is this concept of generics? What does it mean? All right, so I, I was really offended after trying to learn a couple of times and I didn't get it, so I just, like, left it. And then, like, after, I think, most of the time, I feel like when you, when you reach that stage, maybe you just need to have, like, just go to sleep and wake up the next day to look at it, right? So the next day when I looked at it, it kind of made sense to me, um, interestingly. Right, so I, I literally just like to, oh, okay, so let me just try this with Chakra UI, and I just challenged myself, right, to add this um, to, to Chakra. I didn't get, like, I didn't get the typings 100% correct, right, but, like, literally no one knows most of these areas. Like, it's, it's me that built it. I built it myself, so I know where the issues are, right, but then... The other common issue I was going to talk about is when you release an open source library in JavaScript and maybe add some type support, and then the next day you are going to see an issue about TypeScript support. Like, and someone literally flags it like, <laughs> hey man, you need to add some full support for TypeScript so that we can use it. And then it feels like, come on, like, uh, I, I mean, I've built this thing to this point. I feel like it's a community project and everyone should contribute to it as well. If you feel TypeScript support is necessary, I mean, feel free, you're welcome to add it, uh, but most likely they won't add it. So I literally just saw that as an opportunity for me. So when I was done with my own work and my personal work, because I mean, Chakra UI is not my life. Like I literally, like when I'm done with everything else, then I, I can consider those Right, so I took some time. Okay, uh, well, TypeScript support won't be a bad idea. I mean, it's also be like a good, like a good opportunity for me to master TypeScript. Right, so again, I went back to my learning mode, like just a couple of months again. Frontend masters, Mike North, TypeScript fundamentals, and I think I understood the core concepts in TypeScript from the course. And I just went back, created a new branch, Chakra UI, 
going all TypeScript and trying to figure out how it works along the way. I mean, I haven't used this on a big project before, so this was my first time. But I mean, I, I think I'm pretty excited. I'm proud of myself as well and the progress I've made. You should be. And it's just <laughs> funny how like the community becomes your project manager when you're running an open source project. Exactly. It's funny because at work we were having this conversation of, hey, when can you merge um, you know, the Shocker UI implementation of this component library into our main design system monorepo? And Christian Schroeder, who was leading the effort, who I think, Shagun, you actually met with yes, yes, um, yes. the other day. He's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, he's super cool. He was like, well, you know, it's an open source project, so uh, it's not like they have deliverables and like he's, you know, people are working on it, but we can't give a definitive answer. It's just, you know, the community sometimes is never satisfied with the fact that it's open source and they just want, uh, well, why don't you have TypeScript support? Why don't you have this feature? Why don't you have support view? <laughs> Yeah. And the, the right thing to say to those people is if there's a problem with this open source project, it's it's your problem. That's how open source works, you know? Send a pull request. I mean, it's, sometimes it's just exactly. it's tough love, you know? That's what you got to say. Uh, so speaking of that, though, you said Chakra UI is not your life. How much time do you spend on it? And like, how do you fund that that work? Are you or Do you have a day job or are you getting enough donations from people that you can work on it? Like, how does that work? As a maintainer myself, I'm just curious how you how you make that work. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I, I mean, right now I have a day job, right? So I, I currently work at a company called TradeLean in Dubai, right? Um, I mean, I work as the UI engineer, so I help build components for, I mean, the, TradeLean is sort of an e-commerce B2B app application, so I help them build components for the e-commerce app. Uh, definitely using Chakra UI, so like there's a lot of things I can do really fast. So I mean, I get to have the privilege of building those components like super fast because I made Chakra UI. And uh, if I have a project to do, I mean, if it would normally take me two days, uh, but because I'm using Chakra UI that I made myself, like I can literally build it off in maybe five hours, six hours, and I'm done. All right. So because I also know the fundamentals, it helps me so. Uh, the reason why I said that is it, it gives me the privilege to have some more, more free time, like to do other stuff, right? By other stuff, I mean like working with, like taking on freelance projects, just consulting with other people who need help with their products. And like even frees up time for me to also think of other business opportunities, right? Because I feel like when it comes to open source projects, the consistent theme is that most open source projects are underfunded. So you don't want to rely on funding, like the funding you get uh, from other people. And even if it gets to be funded well, I mean, it's most likely for the project, not for personal gains, right? But I feel like I'm going to think of other business ideas or business products I can make. Uh, with the skill I have to actually like make a profit off that right? because I feel like there, there are two key principles I, I, I think I have like somewhere in my head which would be like you have to make something that, that gets you known and then you have to make something that makes you money right so you can literally like leverage off the attention that you get from the fact that you are known and then use that to make something that makes you money Right at the end. So the open source cycle doesn't just end in I just made an open source library and you're excited but there's no money coming off that at the end of the day. And money is something we don't like to talk about a lot in open source, right? So we have to talk about money because, come on, like, I made Chakra UI. It's not going to feed me at the end of the day, right? Like, I literally have to, like, I mean, fend for myself and for my family as well. So um, just, I, it affords me some time. My work is, like, quite flexible, which is one, one of the things I like about it. So I get to also, like, focus on other projects even improve the product I already have, which is resume application, 
right? So I already have paid customers. So like there are people we already serve. So I mean, after I deal with the product, I knew that, okay, it seems like if people can literally pay for a product I deal, maybe I can build more products and like get make some more money for myself at the end. Totally. By the way, what's the URL of that project in case people want to check it out? Yeah, it's called Career Lift, careerlift.com. Nice. Perfect. So, we will link that in the show notes. Cool. Awesome. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I just want to commend you also for just being a nice human because when I was preparing, you know, one of my friend and master's workshop, Shigun was nice enough to help audit it and fix some of my bugs. So I just wanted to personally thank you for that. Um, awesome. Welcome. How can listeners help you out? How can they get involved with Shocker UI? I'm currently, we have a branch. We're currently trying to put all components to TypeScript. So if you feel like uh, one of the biggest parts I think um, we need help with now is documentation. Um, we have the core concepts in place and we have new ideas, like new interesting ideas that we're looking to introduce to the next major version of Chakra UI. Uh, so trying to get people to help communicate these ideas, I mean, would really help. So documentation is one thing we really need help with. And one surprising thing I saw recently is like, um, I think mostly about 40% of the Chakra UI traffic, the traffic to the website comes from countries like China and India. All right, so that makes me already think that somehow we need to make this documentation localized uh, for them so that it's easier to understand this, right? So uh, trying to figure out that process is a lot of work. Like I cannot get myself involved in code and also get myself involved in doing that at the same time, right? So like, as much help as we can get as regards documentation and localization, I would really appreciate that. Wonderful. So if you're listening to this and you like to write and you're good at writing, or even if you're not, it's fine. They'll work with you on it. Go open a pull request to Chakra UI, help them out with some documentation, and also just check out the, the system because it's incredible and you're doing fabulous work. If you enjoyed this episode, go follow Shagun on Twitter. We will link his Twitter in the show notes. He's a wonderful human and a kind teacher as well. And anything or anyone you want to give a shout out to while, while we wrap things up? Uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a number of people, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so let me, I mean, just a couple of people. I think um, Ryan Florence would be one. I mean, for really helping me understand, like, the fundamentals. For creating React training, uh, that's a huge shout out. I mean, even Adam, um, the creator of Tailwind CSS. I mean, I think the core concepts in Tailwind CSS also helped me. Uh, to really, because I saw the way Tailwind CSS uh, makes the life of people easy, I, I think I literally drew some ideas from Tailwind um, into Chakra as well, right? And definitely Brent Jackson and like styled components, Emotion, like so many open source libraries back in Chakra UI. I think I'll just use this channel to say thank you to all of them. And definitely the amazing people who have contributed to Chakra UI, um, who have worked behind the scenes uh, to help me out, right? I really want to appreciate like every single person, whether it's a typo you fixed or some big code you you fixed in Chakra UI. I mean, it doesn't matter, I steal a contribution. So I'll just like thank everyone else. Thank you. Thank you for all the work you put into Chakra and uh, for releasing it as open source. And uh, I look forward to, to the future of the project. Thanks for coming on our show. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for us. Next week, we unpack the news. Note 14, what's new with UJS and the Is Promise mini fiasco. We also share working from home tips and try out a brand new segment, Unpopular Opinions. Stay tuned for that. And please tell your friends about JS Party.
They'll thank you later. This episode was hosted by Emma Bostian and Farasa DJ. Our special guest was Shagoon Adebayo. Thanks, Shagoon, for all that you do. JS Party is produced by Jared Santo. That's me. And the farm fresh beats you're hearing right now are created by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. We are brought to you by awesome people at Companies Who Get It. Thanks again to Rollbar, Gatsby, DigitalOcean, Linode, and of course, Fastly for their support. That's all for now. We'll talk to you again next week.